Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. One of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As die-hard conservative. I'm to this guy for wisdom. to tell you we just commemorated the 80th anniversary of the Japanese attack the bombing of Pearl Harbor and I have had so many thoughts racing through my mind the front of which the first of which the most important perhaps for me is that as we recognize the events that changed American history and changed the world landscape on this day of infamy 80 years ago. We are now set to uh, repeat history in so many ways. It is as if so many of our countrymen and certainly the Democrat Party, including the rhinos, I'm going to get into them stabbing us in the back again by handing the Democrats another victory, which is another assault and affront on this country. But 80 years ago, you know, we had fought in World War I and America had by large adopted an isolationist policy. We didn't want to deal in the conflicts in the rest of the world that did not directly affect American interests. And so as Hitler, over time, built up the military might of Germany, which went against against those very sanctions that had put, been put in place against them after World War I to prevent them from repeating and bringing about a second world war. Well, they marched on and went to war with the world. But America didn't want to get involved. And it wasn't until the bombing of Pearl Harbor that we changed course, that we were compelled to action, compelled to enter World War II and fight because America had had come under attack directly. And so we went in, we fundamentally changed the entire economy of this country to build up our defenses. We were focused 100% on victory and building up our military to win World War II. And I don't need to remind you what the result was after World War II. You know, Pearl Harbor, that bombing in Hawaii, was the equivalent for another generation of 9-11. Now, I would argue that that was much bigger in scale, of course. 
that obviously far more lives were lost in World War II than had been lost after 9-11 and the war against terror. But that event changed the trajectory of the United States of America. In fact, it made us, resulted in us becoming the world's greatest superpower. And where are we today? Where are we today? We deny, reject our place as the world's superpower. The Democrats reject our position in the world. They act as if America is the great evil. And we are not and have never been. But, you know, Russia is now, um, has now amassed 90,000 troops, 90,000 troops at the border of Ukraine. Why? Why? Is it just a, uh, are they having a, a mighty military parade? No, we know what they're going to do. We know what they're going to do. Under Barack Obama, they seized Crimea. And what did we do in response? Nothing. Nothing. Oh, the world has to respond to this. America's going to sit back on, its, uh, on, our, on, our, on our hands. We're not going to address this. We condemn it, but we're not going to address it. And now we have them preparing to take Ukraine, start a war in Ukraine. And what is the Biden regime going to do in response? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Now, this is no surprise, but this was, by the way, the thing I feared all along under this administration. I knew that their allegiance did not lie with America and the American people, that Biden and the Democrat Party's allegiance is with our enemies. And so here we are, amidst all the fighting we're having to do on the domestic front, the war we're engaged in to save America from within, from our politicians, from inflation, from radically transforming us into a communist country, now we are having to deal in a very, very weakened state, a state that becomes weaker and weaker by the day with the prospect of a changing world landscape in which America is doing nothing and our enemies are free. Well, I would say this, it's funny, and we'll get into all this, but as, as the, the, the Attorney General Merrick Garland, for example, is um, suing Texas because of gerrymandering, right? Redrawing districts that will unfairly prevent Democrats from winning those elections. Well, China and Russia are looking to redraw the map of the world in which they are the superpowers. They are in charge. They hold the keys. They assert their dominance over Europe, over the Middle East, and everywhere else. No places, by the way, that are friendly to America. But to go back to remembering, honoring those brave Americans who died, not just in Pearl Harbor, but in World War II, fighting for our freedoms, what a joke of a citizenry we have today in the Democrats and the Democrat voter. You know, Democrats, of course, would celebrate the greatest generation, those that paid the ultimate price for our freedom, and yet they are either willingly fighting to undo the sacrifice that brave Americans 
In World War II, for example, the sacrifices they made to give us this inheritance today and put us on the stage where we are, or they're just idiots, unaware, uneducated, indoctrinated, and, do, and know not what they do. But here we are. Pearl Harbor changed the course of America's history, put us in the position we are t- today to assert our dominance over the world in a positive way, to export our ideals and values of freedom, of constitutionality, of unalienable rights, to export those to those dark places in the world like the Soviet Union of past and other diabolical, tyrannical places around the world to improve their lives, to share what we had achieved here with them and to show them the way forward. And now we're sitting here, 80 years later, watching as another war is getting ready to break out. But we're not isolationists this time. We aren't focused on America's interests. We are focused on destroying America's interests. We gave Russia a pipeline. I'm talking, of course, about the Nord Stream 2. Biden waived sanctions. Sanctions that allowed the Russians to complete the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. It's a natural gas pipeline, by the way. It's subterranean. And, you know, the, uh, the Russians, by the way, already provide about 40% of the natural gas to Europe and Germany. Germany, above all. They really depend upon the Russia's, the Russians' uh, energy supplies. But now we're going to allow, we have allowed, permitted, the Russians to assert their dominance even more. To have a monopoly over energy production, the energy they provide to Europe, period. And so it puts the Russians in a, in a, a particular place of power in which they wield, they hold over the heads of Europe now access to natural gas, which they depend upon. But it's no surprise. I mean, Biden, he met with Putin in person. Remember back in June at the big Geneva summit? And uh, he went over there and it was important to, to Biden, of course. He said, well, it was important to meet in person so there could be no mistake about or misrepresentations about what I wanted to communicate. I did what I came to do. And what did he do? I told President Putin my agenda is not against Russia or anybody else. It's for the American people. Meanwhile, he takes a a sledgehammer to the Keystone Pipeline, prevents that production from making us energy independent and autonomous, not dependent upon anyone else in the world, which gives us great power, by the way. And he lifted sanctions on the Russians and gave them their Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Yeah, he's really looking out for the American people. And what did Biden talk about with Putin back in June in Geneva? Well, they discussed cybersecurity. Cybersecurity, because remember, the Russians were behind a cyber attack against a pipeline here and other things. And, and Biden went out there and he looked Putin in the eyes and he said, well, if you're going to attack us, if you're going to continue to attack us with these cybersecurity threats, well, these are, these are critical infrastructure things that I believe that we should agree 
not to attack. You can attack these things, Putin, but not these things. What a tough-talking president, is he not? You know, uh, Mr. Putin, um, you know, I understand that you're going to attack us like this, uh, this cyber warfare, but uh, just, to be, just to be clear, um, if, you, if you could please, uh, Mr. Putin, if you could pl- put your shirt back on, Mr. Putin, please. There's no need for that. Put your shirt back on. I understand you're in better shape than I understand you're KGB and I'm just Lunchbox Joe. But but look, I've had my vaccination shot, my booster, uh, uh, Mr. Putin. But anyway, what I came here to tell you is if you're going to attack us, just please, please, pretty please, Mr. Putin, don't attack these things. You can attack all these things, but don't attack these. That was the that was the gist of it. That's what the, he he Biden went there and he says in the press conference afterwards, I, I talked about the proposition that certain critical infrastructure should be off limits to attack, period, by cyber or any other means. That's how weak this guy was. So is it any surprise that now Putin has 90,000 troops and he's not fearful of any response by the United States whatsoever? Biden said after that meeting, he knows there are consequences. He knows I will take action. Really? Really? What action are we taking? None whatsoever. This is how weak, weak we are. And so uh, the United States has given up under Democrats their role in, uh, let me put it this way, while the rest of the world, especially our enemies, are doing what's in their best interest, whether it's conquering other countries, seizing new energy supplies, and growing their territory, China eyeing Taiwan, for example, that will happen, by the way, under this administration, While they're doing that, while every country in the world is looking after their own self-interest, America is not looking after its self-interest. Does that make sense? It's absolutely idiotic. Idiotic, and it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Because we're witnessing before our very eyes the rise of a new Nazi Germany, or multiple of them, whether it's China and Russia. They're growing, they're marching, and we're sitting here assisting them, as a matter of fact. And so what's Biden going to do? What are the consequences going to be? Oh, oh, he lifted sanctions to give them Nord Stream 2, and now he's suggesting that, well, uh, we're going we're gonna to put those sanctions back in place, uh, Mr. Putin. Could he not see this coming? You think Putin's worried about sanctions coming forward? You know, Germany's the one who wants this pipeline, by the way. They are all in support of it because they're going to get more natural resources, more of their gas supplies from Russia. It's in their interest for Russia to have this pipeline. But it's not in the interest of Ukraine, who also has pipelines, who's now, who's now going to be superseded by Russia. So everyone's going to get their natural gas from Russia now. They won't need Ukraine. Ukra- Ukraine's energy sector is going to be crippled. Is this good for America? Is this good for the world? Is this good for our self-interest? But this is how the Democrats are. This is the globalist mentality. It's unfair, unfair that America is a superpower. It's unfair that America should should have a big footprint. It's unfair that we should meddle in people's affairs. Hillary Clinton went over there in 2009, remember? Remember she brought the red button to her meeting with a Russian foreign minister? And she says, I would like to present you with a little gift that represents what President Obama and Vice President Biden and I have been saying, and that is... We want to reset our relationship, and so we will do it together. This is about pandering to our enemies. You know, I have been to Moscow, and when I was in Moscow many years ago, this was probably in, uh, let's see, I was living in Milan, Italy at the time. I was uh, managing a Marc Jacobs store, 
And I took a trip to Moscow with a, an Italian friend, and he was dating, now they're married, a Russian girl. And I had the chance to speak with some uh, Russian individuals over there. Many, by the way, were not fans of me because I was American. But nonetheless, uh, I asked them about how they viewed Putin, how they viewed the Soviet Union. And you know what the uh, older generation, by older generation, I mean, I'm 34, so my parents' age. Those individuals, my parents, the equivalent in Russia, they had fond memories of the Soviet Union. Just like the Germans had fond memories of a time before they were taken down a few pegs based on the criminality, the violence, the war that they had spread across Europe in World War I. But they had nostalgia, see? The Soviet Union was great. It was a superpower. And they want that back. And that's what Putin speaks to, by the way. That's what appeals to the, the Russian people. Everyone wants to return to, to a period of time in their own country's history when they were, they were powerful. It's romantic. It's romantic for them. You know, it's about the restoration of Russia as they see it. Crimea, Ukraine, it belongs to them. Taiwan, it belongs to China. That's what this appeal is. This is how the Nazis got their war. This is how the Nazis got the German people to come onto their side. Look at us. We're victims of the Jews, of this, of that in Europe. It's unfair for us. And so they mobilize a pretty remarkable response and support for themselves. But they took Crimea under Obama without any kind of uh, resistance. Without any, any resistance. And what did, uh, what did Obama say after they invaded Crimea? What did he say? Well, he, he of course, was so concerned, right? Don't take Crimea. Just like, just like Biden now. Now, we're, we're really, really strongly uh, suggesting that you don't do this. There will be, there will be implications. The Amer America will, response, will respond, and you'll be in trouble. But then what did Obama do after they took Crimea? Here's what he said. Uh, this is not another Cold War that we're entering into. The United States and NATO do not seek any conflict with Russia, Obama said. Now is not the time for bluster. There are no easy answers, no military solution. Well, there you have it. You think Russia doesn't know this? You think they don't understand that they can take Ukraine? They are just testing the waters. But they know, based on experience under Obama and Obama 2.0 now, that nothing will happen to them. NATO's not going to do anything. Germany's not going to do anything because this benefits them. And there won't be any conflict with Russia. They know that. And this is the danger we're in now. Because if Russia takes Ukraine... And they will. Just wait for it. China's watching. China's watching all of this. All of this. And China will get permission and see that there's nothing to fear. That America's not in the game of protecting its interests and the interests of its allies. We don't care anymore about our responsibility in the world. No, you just go ahead and do what you want. Somebody else can deal with you. Someone else will deal with you. But anyway, you know, um, to get back to a little bit of history here, you know, with the Nord Stream 2, all right, 
This pipeline that Biden gifted to Russia. Well, Senator Chris Murphy, Democrat of Connecticut, you know, you know, here's what he said about the U.S.-Germany agreement. With the U.S.-Germany agreement, by the way, which was, look, um, you know, we're lifting sanctions and um, it's up to you, Germany. Uh, you can you can deal with Russia if they if they if they you know invade Ukraine, for example. This is what they said in the past. But but Senator Chris Murphy says it isn't perfect, but it's a good outcome under the circumstances. The idea that the U.S. can stop a pipeline that is 98% complete is based in fantasy, not reality. Well, we seem to have stopped it until Biden gave it to them. So it did work. This is such a lie. And this didn't, this didn't prevent Biden from shutting down the Keystone Pipeline. So what's going on here? Why do we have a Democrat party that is assisting our enemies... And harming our allies, including our own country and nation. I I am very fearful of this, as you can tell. You know, and more importantly, you know, it's funny. If you look back historically, too, speaking of Pearl Harbor and World War II, you know, the 1936 Olympic Games, the Summer Olympic Games, those were played where? In Germany. And then a few years later, they began their conquest and World War II began in earnest. Now we've got the Olympics coming up in China. And, and, and what is Biden doing? Oh, we're not sending diplomats. We're not sending diplomats. The games will go on. America will be there, but Joe Biden won't be there to, to clap. What a joke. What a joke. We are not a serious nation anymore. No one is afraid of us. And that's the point. That's the point. But amidst all of this, and we've got a January 6th committee I've got to talk about. What's going on there? We got Merrick Garland suing Texas over gerrymandering. But anyway, those are the stories I want to talk about today because they're vital and they're not going away. You can listen to this podcast a month from now, three months from now, a year from now, and everything I say will be just as relevant and important then. In fact, it'll probably sound prophetic. And yeah, my tone is a little bit serious. I want to have a little bit of fun today, but I'm sitting here in disbelief. Disbelief is what we're witnessing, as if we don't learn. We know what the Russians are going to do. We know what China's going to do. And those of us with, with, with rational brains who study history are saying, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Look, we can prevent a tragedy that's going to come. But instead, the Democrats are hell bent on repeating history, and it's not a history to be proud of. It's a dangerous history that's going to going to result in war. This is Drew Allen. I'll be right back. You know, the rhinos in the Republican Party, I can't condemn them in harsh enough terms. I really can't. Um, I I say that train of thought here, okay, is the Democrats are such a well-oiled, organized, propagandist machine. They've got the mainstream media behind them. They've got their celebrities out there speaking on their behalf. 
And the Republicans are seemingly in total disarray. I mean, you've got people like Marjorie Taylor Greene out there speaking truth, but she's not in leadership. Where is uh, Kevin McCarthy? Where is Mitch McConnell combating the lies and propaganda of the left? This is the problem fundamentally in America and has been for so long. The American people are inundated from every which way through the organized efforts of the communists in this country, the left, bombarded by misinformation. And the cries of the liars are so loud and met with no, seemingly no, response from at least the party level, the political level of the Republicans that the few voices that speak out are drowned out and not heard. Gerrymandering. Gerrymandering. That's one of the latest, latest talking points of the left. Gerrymandering. Ben Affleck's out there. Oh yeah, the Republicans use gerrymandering to escape accountability. You know, let me say this about Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck is a dunce, an ignoramus, and all these people have the same qualities and traits. Their lives are so empty and unfulfilled, their brains so totally wholly vacant from the tens of millions of dollars they get to do jack diddly that has no importance whatsoever. They're entertainers, but that's not enough for them. LeBron James, it's not enough to be rich. It's not enough to be praised as one of the greatest athletes of all time. No, he wants, he wants to be involved in the political sphere. He wants relevance beyond his irrelevancy in the sports world. Ben Affleck, irrelevancy beyond his entertainment value. His pathetic display of Batman. But gerrymandering. This is the message, right? Gerrymandering. This is just another thing. Another... Look, the Democrats are fearful. Fearful. All of this crap is driven by fear. And the innate desire for self-preservation. They are unpopular with the American people. Had they not changed the voting laws across this country, Joe Biden wouldn't be in the White House. Some would call that cheating. I'd call it cheating too. That's what put him there. It's a big myth out there that conservatives are in the minority, that the Democrat Party is popular, that all this crap they're pushing is popular with the American people. It's not. That's why they need this propagandist effort to convince the American people, that we, who are sane and rational and love this country, who are patriotic Americans, are in the minority. We're not. We're in the majority. But if the American people realize that, they would behave differently and start acting out. Acting out to fight for their country. So they always try to convince us that, oh yes, yes, our beliefs, they're unpopular in America. No, no, no. Our beliefs are popular. Ben Affleck? LeBron James, 
They're unpopular. But they use the media apparatus to try and convince people of a reality that does not exist. So gerrymandering. I want to get into this. I want to get into this because Merrick Garland, who the Democrats say, and Merrick Garland himself says, oh, I, my goal is to be apolitical. Apolitical. He's the most political hack in the history of the DOJ. And that says a lot because we've had some bad ones. Under Obama, for example. But Merrick Garland's a political tool of the left. I'm sure he's upset, by the way, still that uh, he didn't make it to the Supreme Court. But he's doing his damnedest to uh, do the most damage he can as the, uh, the head of the Department of Justice. So he's suing. He's suing the state of Texas, alleging that their redistricting plans violate the Voting Rights Act, or the Civil Rights Act, if you will, from the 19, late 50s and 60s. So this lawsuit is alleging that uh, the districts drawn by Texas lawmakers, well, they violate the Federal Voting Rights Act by diluting the voting strength of minority voters. What are they talking about? Well, they're idiots, but I'm going to clarify. So look, states, every 10 years, which coincides, of course, with the new census data out there, uh, well, we draw new, new voting district boundaries. That's what we call redistricting. And so Democrats and Republicans redraw the districts for Congress, for Senate, whatever, you know, out there. So it changes the makeup of the voting blocks and so on and so forth. And so in Texas, they're alleging that, oh my gosh, they're redrawing these districts that are going to give the, the Republicans an unfair advantage Unfair advantage, it's a red state. It's a red state. But, you know, the Democrats have been trying for a decade now or more to fundamentally transform the, the voter makeup of the state of Texas. And so the, the, the Democrats don't like the new map in Texas because it favors Republicans. Favors Republicans. And there's no lawsuit here, by the way. I mean, they're, 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 you know, the DOJ and Garland are doing it, but the Supreme Court already ruled on gerrymandering back in 2019. The Supreme Court held that federal courts did not have any power to decide partisan gerrymandering claims asserted under the U.S. Constitution. But the Democrats don't care. This is all part of their plan, right? You know, for them, uh, when they don't win, it's unfair. When they win, it's wholly fair. And any attacks against them are assaults on democracy. And uh, th this whole thing is baseless anyway. Uh, of course, they're asserting that we are, Texas, for example, is somehow, well, let me get into, into what, what this de 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 <laughs> redistricting is. All right. So redistricting, gerrymandering, redrawing the maps based on the census. Every 10 years you get a crack at this. And there's, there's two, two alleged practices. They call it packing and cracking. So when you pack, when you redraw these maps, 
you're putting these groups with the same voting tendencies in as few districts as possible. So you're reinforcing and strengthening, and strengthening uh, you know, for example, look, you've got different congressional areas, right? You vote for your congressman based on where you live. So when you redraw the map, you may change the border a little bit. The Democrats have done this time and time again. By the way, I forget the exact number, but the area down in Riverside County of California, Palm Springs, Palm Desert, that whole region, the Democrats took over that region because they redrew the districts. They gerrymandered down there and put a lot of minority voters, in that case, a lot of Latino voters, in this new district. And so those votes, according to the Democrats, canceled out the votes of, I don't know, white people. And what did it result in? Them taking that congressional seat. So we do this. This is how it works in this country. But they don't like it when Republicans use gerrymandering to favor themselves. But when, of course, the Democrats do it, crickets. Illinois, by the way. Illinois is not being sued by Merrick Garland and the DOJ. Even though Illinois drew their redistricting map and it would be among the most gerrymandered in the country. It will be the most gerrymandered in the country. It makes Texas's gerrymandering map look like nothing. So what they did in Illinois, two of these districts, which are designed now to elect Democratic candidates, well, they're going to snake across hundreds of miles of rural areas to connect these small Democratic-leaning communities. So they're going to split up 42 of the states, 102 counties, This would be called cracking as opposed to packing. They're going to crack the district. They're going to split it up and dilute, water down the votes, spreading all these groups across multiple districts. And so the current Illinois House delegation before this gerrymandering is made up of 13 Democrats and five Republicans. Now this proposal, this new map in Illinois, this gerrymandering is going to result in 14 Democrats and three Republicans. Now, the math there, they're losing a seat because the population has gone down since the last census. So you had 18 congressional seats in Illinois before. Now you're going to have 17. So now they're going to redistrict so that they're going to get 14 Democrats and only three Republicans. So that's what Illinois is doing. What, what Texas is doing on steroids and uh, crickets. No lawsuit there whatsoever. And so you got Ben Affleck out there talking about gerrymandering, trying to use his uh, idiotic voice to convince the American people that Republicans are against voting rights. But you know the American people are, have wised up to this Voting Rights Act of the Democrats? You know, suddenly the American people, by and large, a, a vast majority, have suddenly realized that asking for IDs is not discriminatory. How about that? Logic, logic wins the day. But the Democrats don't want elections. They want to get rid of elections. But they can't do it. So what they really want, it's going to be, what they want is North Korea. You know where Kim Jong-un wins 100% of the votes in the North Korea elections? So they want to have elections, but they want the power to cement the outcome they desire. So They're saying, look what Texas is doing with the gerrymandering. This is why we need to pass the Voting Rights Act. The Voting Rights Act. 
And you know what the Voting Rights Act is, right, that they're trying to push? It's been a while since we've heard about this. Um, but this Voting Rights Act would establish, let me see if I have it, the exact uh, verbiage here. They want to, I think they want to put three, three judges that are out of D.C. in charge of deciding whether or not redistricting maps are fair or not, are fair or not. Now, look, we know that the Supreme Court already ruled that there's no problem with the gerrymandering. The federal courts can't get involved. But the Democrats are still whining because they have to get their way. They're tyrants. And so this Voting Rights Act that they're pushing now, they would put Democrats in charge of deciding whether or not these redistricting maps are fair or not. And guess what they're going to decide and determine? If it's in Illinois, it's fair. And if it's in Texas, it's unfair. That's what they want to do. They want to be able to fix every election in their favor. And they already did this. They did this in 2020. That's why Biden's in the Oval Office. That and the cowardly Republicans didn't fight back. But think about how dumb this is. You know, these Democrats are alleging that um, Texas is, is violating the Voting Rights Act. The former Voting, right Act, Vo Voter, Voting Rights Act, the Civil Rights Act from the 60s, didn't have anything to do with this. Back then, Democrats, Democrats were intimidating minorities. Democrats were preventing blacks from regist registering to vote. They were standing in the way of blacks voting. That's not what we're talking about. No one's taking away the votes of blacks. So this is an outright lie. Yeah, they're gerrymandering. They're changing the makeup of the districts. But no one's stopping anybody from voting. Your vote still gets counted. So even that argument in itself is so insane. They act like it's 1960. But it is like 1960 because the Democrats are the ones that are diabolical. They're the ones that are still the party of racism. Still the anti-democracy party. But they're pushing this crap. Because they know they're in trouble. They know they can't win. And so they want the, the Kim Jong-un effect. Where you have elections, but they're in charge of them all. I mean, remember that? Do you remember? Well, firstly, 2020. It's the Democrats who fundamentally transformed and changed how we voted in the entire country. Using COVID as their disguise. Mail-in ballots, unsolicited, getting rid of signature verifications. Drop-off mailbox where you could just throw in. Stacks of 100, 200? And then you just see what the vote is and you count it? I mean, they created a situation in which they could control the results where they needed to with fraud. Oh, oh I'm not supposed to say that. I'm not supposed to say that. We know it's true. And so that's what they're trying to do here. Set the table so they can somehow... Avoid defeat in 2022 by cheating again. By cheating. But they're the party of cheaters. Do you remember, you know, uh, uh, Thomas Friedman, the uh, imbecile who writes the New York Times? Well, he went on CNN in 2020. You remember when they were having the uh, Senate runoff elections in Georgia in which the Democrats snagged two Senate seats that gave them the majority in the Senate with Kamala Harris's tie-breaking vote? Well, he went on CNN 
And he said, I hope everybody moves to Georgia. You know, in the next month or two, registers to vote and votes for these two Democratic senators. That's against the law. You can't even do that. This guy is spewing, promoting, encouraging Democrat voters to break the law, move to Georgia just to vote in the runoff. Give me a break. And that's why, you know, they don't want to play by, I mean, you know, they play this game all the time and we have to play it too. We're fighting for our country's life. Our country's life. And we're on life support right now. We are. And so we need to go on the attack. We need to go on the assault. We need to fight them tooth and nail. And this is one of the ways we do it. One of the ways we do it. And we have to resist this pressure from the media to try and label us. Because everything the Democrat Party says we are, they are guilty of. They are liars. It's like this January 6th committee. Oh yeah, Donald Trump attacked democracy. They were engaged in a coup attempt from the moment Donald Trump came down the escalator at Trump Tower in New York City and announced his candidacy. Trump-Russia collusion, the Democrat Party, Hillary Clinton. They paid to put together that phony Trump dossier that alleged all sorts of things that we knew were not true. And then they tried to impeach him over it. They're the ones who are guilty of attacking democracy. Their candidate, candidate didn't win. They didn't accept the election results. And they did everything they could. Everything they could to oust him and get rid of him and punish him. And they're still doing it today. That's why the January 6th committee even exists. It's a show trial. You know what a show trial is? They did these in Moscow, by the way. Back between, I think, 1936 and 1938. You know, that, that was called Stalin's Great Purge. And this, too, is a great purge. A show trial is, 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 of course, a public trial. And guilt or innocence has already been determined. We know they're alleging that Trump is guilty. They are alleging just, this is Russia collusion 2.0, another hoax. Donald Trump somehow, in their minds, as they, they say, well, he's responsible for the organization of what happened on January 6th. He organized it. He was directly involved. He gave the order. Let us see his text messages. Let us see his emails. We know we're going to find information. He colluded with these, these January 6th, you know, dimwits that decided to do whatever they did, which wasn't much, by the way. And we know it goes beyond that. We know it goes beyond. We know the Democrats wanted that to happen. They had warning that it was going to happen from the FBI, and they created a situation in which it could happen. And then they took advantage of it. But anyway, this is the, the, the Democrats' great purge. Now, I, I don't know what the deal is with Mark Meadows, who was uh, Trump's former chief of staff. I, I don't know what to say about Mark Meadows. I, I guess he's stupid. I don't know what he expected. Uh, the, the controversy now is, you know, Steve Bannon was held in contempt because he wasn't going to show up for his subpoena uh, to appear before them. And then Mark Meadows was agreeing to come, and he agreed already to provide thousands of pages of documents to this committee, which was a mistake. You don't play the game. You don't play the game. You don't acknowledge it. 
because it's illegitimate. But he went ahead. He was going to do it, not under any compulsion of the select committee subpoena to him. No deposition. He was just going to give them the documents. He was going to appear and give them what they wanted. But now, suddenly, Mark Meadows finds out that, well, they have, a, per, per uh, Terwilliger II, George J. Terwilliger, Terwilliger II, who I guess is his lawyer, he says, in short, we now have every indication from the information supplied to us last Friday, upon which Mr. Meadows could expect to be questioned, that the select committee has no intention of respecting boundaries concerning executive privilege. What did you expect, Mark? Meadows? You thought they were going to respect the boundaries concerning... They want you there for the sole purpose of destroying Donald Trump. That's why they're having you there. You're playing into their show trial. Suddenly this is a revelation to you, Mark? And so now the committee's saying, well, we're going we're gonna, to you know, hold him um, in contempt, just like we did Steve Bannon if he doesn't show up. If he doesn't show up. I mean, this is insane, by the way. I mean, executive privilege, this is, this is, you know, presidents of the United States have the ability to maintain privacy of confidential communications. Because you're president doesn't mean that Congress or courts can just have access to every text message and every email you've ever sent in private. That's executive privilege. And... Barack Obama asserted his executive privilege to cover his AWS when he was actually guilty of something. The um, Fast and Furious operation back in 2012. You know, that's, that's where the, uh, the borough of alcohol, to tobacco, firearms, and explosives in Arizona um... It took place in Arizona, I guess, is where, where, where it started out, where agents allowed these sus suspected smugglers to buy about 2,000 firearms. They allowed these transactions because they were going to build a case against smugglers of arms to Mexico. But those guns were used and traced to crime scenes on both sides of the border. The federal government, with the permission of Eric Holder, assisted in the murder of, for example, a U.S. Border Patrol agent in 2010. A gun that was purchased in one of these exchanges was used to kill this American. And, you know, Congress asked for documents related to Fast and Furious. A scandal. But Obama used his executive privilege to prevent Congress from receiving and reviewing documents related to Holder's Fast and the Furious operation. But now there's no executive privilege for Donald Trump. None whatsoever. And this is the thing. It's, it's like, you know, they're looking for other things. They know that Donald Trump didn't organize the January 6th fake insurrection. That's not what this is about. This is about finding, accessing other things to paint him in a bad light, to come after him for anything else they can it's like the quid pro quo phone call that didn't happen with the Ukrainian prime minister. Remember Vindman listened to the phone call? Lieutenant Colonel Vindman overheard it, listened to it, and then he reported to Adam Schiff and, and, and the media, the propagandist media, oh, there's a quid pro quo that I just heard. It's my duty as an American citizen to tell you 
that I heard this phone call with Donald Trump. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. But they took, they, I mean, it doesn't matter. They just need a snippet here, a snippet there, so they can take it out of context, spin it, and then have a media narrative to build again. And that's why January 6th happened, by the way. The committee, I mean. It was always about coming after Trump because they fear him. They fear him. Look, I know some of you are, are probably moving towards the anti-Trump campaign now. Oh, he's too old. We need to move on, whatever else. But he's a formidable formidable adversary still. The Democrats have known this all along. And, you know, look, had he won in 2020, nobody would be having this conversation. Republicans and conservatives wouldn't be saying, oh, well, I don't know. It's too much. Like all the scandals, all the stuff. We just give us peace. Give us relief. We've got Trump, Trump uh, fatigue syndrome. We just can't do it anymore. They're attacking. They're going to attack Trump. We can't do four more years. If he'd won, you wouldn't be saying that. But, you know, they fixed the election with their mail-in ballots and their changing of election law. And so Biden's in there and now people are turned on Trump. That's my opinion. But anyway, they don't want Trump to come back. And this is their tool to prevent that from happening. And I got to say, I like a guy who's got a chip on his shoulder. Athletes with a chip on their shoulder, whether it's Tom Brady or someone else who's very, very successful, they're fearful. They're fearsome opponents. And I like the idea of Donald Trump with a chip on his shoulder. I like revenge. I like revenge 2024. That's what I like. Because I want somebody to iron this out. I want somebody to get back to these Democrats. And I, I, Trump's motivated to do it. But that's what this is about. So now they're going to hold him in contempt. They'll try and jail all these people. Uh, but anyway, this is Darrell, and i got to take a short break. I'll be right back. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? A star, a star, dancing in the night. I don't want to spend a lot of time on the Juicy Smollett, Jesse Smollett trial. Uh, I'll just say that the uh, Jesse seems to be attempting to do his best Kyle Rittenhouse impersonation. But what Jesse doesn't realize is that the difference between him taking the stand himself and Kyle Rittenhouse taking the stand himself is that Kyle Rittenhouse was actually innocent. There's a difference. When you're guilty, it's a bad idea to take the, take the stand. When you're innocent, it goes a little bit differently. Jesse Smollett, lying, perjuring himself, it's amazing to behold. Amazing to behold. I mean, this is all I'll say about Jesse Smollett. May he rot in a prison cell. That's the first thing. He deserves to. And I am not forgiving Jesse for anything he's done. The guy is an amoral, self-centered, egomaniac. But the reason, if we're going to look at the root cause of Jesse Smollett, it's the Democratic Party. And they're sycophantic media. Because Jussie Smollett would not have... How do I say this? Engaged in the hoax that he did had he not known that the narrative that he was trying to, to promote would not have been 
welcomed and eagerly received by the media and by the Democratic Party. They have created a circumstance in this country in which people like Jussie engage in this insane criminal behavior because they know the narrative plays to the media. They know that it will be well-received. They know that they will find a platform and a welcome audience. The, the, the media, look, mainstream media are not journalists. They're not journalists. They are just microphone, megaphones, not microphones. I've got a microphone. They've got megaphones that promote false narratives. And so Jussie had a fledgling career as an actor. Nobody liked him, just like they don't like Kamala Harris, because they're similar. They're kinfolk. Insecure, entitled, arrogant. And he played to that audience. And so he hired two black guys to beat him up. He lied and said one of them was white. Then he said, well, maybe they had pale skin. And now he's on the stand lying again. So may he perjure himself and go to hell. I truly mean that sincerely. But but for the media and knowing how they respond, knowing that they love a narrative like the Jussie Smollett hoax, he wouldn't have engaged in this. He got as far as he did, lying, because the media loved the narrative, and he knew this. Anyway, I am really losing patience with Democrat voters. Period. Certainly the Democratic Party, but those people who are still asleep, who have turned a blind eye, like, uh, you know, Dan Crenshaw, <laughs> to reality and the truth. Um, you know, Dan Crenshaw is defending himself as he voted with Democrats. It didn't pass through the Senate, but in the House, he voted with Democrats to establish some kind of um, database for the vaccinated. And he's come up with all kinds of excuses, but Dan Crenshaw's not a patriot. Look, uh, no man, despite their service to the country, despite the fact that they're Navy SEALs, I don't care. I am thankful for your service and sacrifice, but that does not shield you going forward as you behave in other enterprises. In this case, a con congressman. Dan Crenshaw's got to go. Dan Crenshaw's got to go. I am sick and tired of um, these individuals in this country who serve their country in the military, and then use that as a basis of getting elected to office. Two different things. What you did in the past and that sacrifice doesn't qualify you going forward. If you're going to be anti-American, if you're going to vote with Democrats, and you're going to become a scourge, a scourge to Americans. And that's what Dan Crenshaw has become. So he's turned a blind eye, a pun certainly intended, uh, to the truth and what's best for America. So, uh, Dan Crenshaw, thank you for your service. Uh, please retire. We're thankful, but you uh, are not serving your country anymore. In fact, you're doing a disservice to your country. And I don't care. I know Navy SEALs. I've talked to Navy SEALs. I don't care. Thank you. Goodbye. To him, anyway. But, uh, you know, Amy Klobuchar, who's one of the dumbest of the dumb Democrats... 
She tweeted today, what Build Back Better is all about is pretty simple. Oh, uh, please tell us, Amy. Well, this is what it's about, Amy says. From childcare to elder care, we're going to lower costs for Americans and their families. Well, they've raised, raised costs for every American since Joe Biden's come into office. Democrats are uh, exacerbating inflation. And she says Build Back Better is about lowering costs. Did you know, by the way, using Democrat logic, did you know that the, if the government confiscates your money and gives you third-rate versions of the first-rate versions you could actually have paid for yourself, that's lowering costs? That's right. If they take your money and they pay for it and you get a bad deal, that's lowering costs for Americans. How about that? How about that? Isn't that amazing? If you just give the government all of your income and they give you things, it's free. Wow, what a revelation. But that's what the dumb Democrats in this country think. Yes, yes, yes. I'm in a mood. I'm in a mood because the country's going to hell and, uh, and I care about it. But anyway, speaking of um, people who hate America, the opposite of me, I am sick of these rhinos. They're playing a game. It's all a game to them. They don't take their duties seriously to protect and preserve America. We have two parties right now, but really we have one party. It's the Democrat Party. The Republicans, and there are enough of the rhinos in there to prevent us from having a defense against the communists in the Democrat Party. Well, Mitch McConnell and these rhinos, it's all a sham. It's a sham, this whole game they're playing. So remember... Uh, the Democrats were told before the previous debt ceiling raise that the Republicans gave them that gift. They raised the debt ceiling. Um, it was the strategic position of Mitch McConnell and Rhinos that we don't want to be a part. We don't want to want to be a part next time, which is now, of raising the debt ceiling. The Democrats are going to own raising the debt ceiling, and we're going to make them put a figure to what the debt ceiling is going to be risen to, raised to. Okay. So the way they were going to do that was in this infrastructure bill, uh, this Build Back Better plan, you guys, the Democrats, this is the logic, you Democrats, you can do it unilaterally on your own in the Build Back Better plan. You don't need Republican support. But that was a big endeavor because they couldn't get Manchin on board, they couldn't get Cinema on board, and so they were in a pickle. And so what did the Republicans just do? Well, they just gave a new Christmas gift to the Democrat Party, and they put coal in the stockings of Americans. So, you know, you need 60 votes to pass legislation in the Senate with a filibuster. And the reason the Democrats want to, are arguing to suspend the filibuster is so that they can pass anything they want through the Senate with a simple majority vote. That would be 50 of them plus Kamala Harris. It's a problem because they don't have cinema and they don't even have Manchin. But nonetheless, the Republicans have thought it's wise now to suspend the filibuster one time only. One time only. So the Republicans, instead of making the Democrats go the hard route of raising the debt ceiling via the Build Back Better plan, 
they have now given the Democrats the ability to raise the debt ceiling on their own by suspending the filibuster one time only. That's right. So the big deal between Chuck Schumer, Chuck U. Schumer, Chuck U. the American people Schumer, and the brilliant turtle, Mitch McConnell, is to pass legislation that will suspend the filibuster so that the Democrats can unilaterally, in the Senate, raise the debt ceiling without a Republican vote. But only one time. So John Cornyn, the corrupt individual from Texas who's been in the Senate forever, he's going to support Democrats raising the debt ceiling without Republicans' votes. Wow, thank you. Thank you, John Cornyn. Here's what he says. To have Democrats raise the debt ceiling and be held accountable for racking up the debt is my goal, and this help, uh, helps us accomplish it. Wow. Who's holding the Democrats accountable, by the way? They haven't been held accountable for anything thus far. Uh, no cl- calls for impeachment, despite the fact that we don't have majorities. There's no accountability for the dead Afghan children that Joe Biden bombed in a drone strike and then lied to us and told us that they were high-ranking ISIS-K planners. There's no accountability for Democrats right now. But uh, so he's going to let them, he's supporting giving them a pathway to raise the debt ceiling without Republicans. So he doesn't care. He says, go to hell, America. We don't care how this impacts inflation. But, you know, I'm going to go home to my constituency. I'm going to say, hey, Hey, I didn't vote for this. I just voted for legislation to allow the Democrats to raise the debt ceiling without objection. But I myself didn't vote for it. See what I did? You see this game, this sham that is politics in America? So Schumer, speaking some truth, actually, he said that this is a superior option. A superior option compared to having to do the budget reconciliation, which would be a lengthy debate. So now we don't have to debate the consequences of raising the debt ceiling. We're just going to, as Republicans, allow the Democrats to raise the debt ceiling themselves. And here's what Schumer said, I quote, We were worried about a process that will be convoluted, lengthy, and risky. Risky to them and their political careers, by the way. And we don't believe we should be doing anything that risks putting our full faith and credit in jeopardy. It looks like the Republicans will help us. And that's what the Republicans just did. They helped Chuck Schumer. You know, the debt ceiling is a joke. We are held hostage every year by the politicians, the congressmen and women in Washington, D.C. Every year, without fail, they take in almost more money, more money than they did the previous year. And yet the debt rises every year. The message is uh, the federal government will not live within its means. We are a, you know, they have a blank check. They can tax, they can spend anything they want, anything they want, and they can always raise taxes on us to pay for it. We have taxation without representation, and I'm sorry to say the level of tyranny we are experiencing in America today is far, far greater than anything experienced by the Founding Fathers. And if you read the Declaration of Independence, you know where the Founding Fathers would have stood today on what's happened. I know that's controversial to say, but that's where we are. 
That's where we are today. And so the debt ceiling will never, ever stop. It'll always be raised because what? They have a taxpayer that can fund it. And we can't even fund it. They could take all the wealth of all Americans in this entire country and we wouldn't make a dent on the federal debt. But here we go again. The Republicans will not fight. They kick the can down the road. And the chickens will one day come home to roost. And it'll be sooner rather than later. It'll be in my lifetime. My lifetime. And these old people like Mitch McConnell who will be dead and in the grave or a bunch of ashes scattered wherever the hell he wants in Kentucky, he won't have to deal with it. And as a 34-year-old millennial, that's why I'm pissed off yelling into this microphone right now. Because it's my life. It's my children's life that they are putting at risk and sacrificing. And you bet I'm pissed off. I'm sorry to say. Should I not be mad? Should I not be mad that the country is going to hell and the Republican Party is helping the Democrats do it? They won't fight ever. They won't fight when it matters. They're all full of crap. So here we are. Here we are again, being sold to China, sold to Russia. Every time, without fail. They spend more, tax more, raise the debt ceiling, spend more, tax more, and the government never, never can do without anything. You know, we are told, look, you know, the, the, the Democrat Party and these rhinos can join them. Uh, is crime skyrockets based on their policies, their communist policies that are meant to create, meant to create chaos in this country. In places around LA, for example, people are being robbed at gunpoint. Uh, people are going to parties in the Los Angeles area, and they are bringing guns into these events and robbing people of their jewelry, their money, and everything else. And you know what the message is from Democrats? Well, you know, uh, you should pay attention more. It's not the criminal's fault. It's your fault for being on your iPhone walking down the street when somebody robs you point blank with a gun. You should have seen it coming. You should have been more careful. That's the message. It's always our fault. Our federal government should be broken up. Broken up. What is happening today, the founding fathers would have called for revolution. That's the simple fact. That's the simple truth. They did it against King George III, and we're experiencing far worse tyranny, far worse taxation than they fought against. You know, <laughs> let them eat cake. That's the message. We're suffering. Gas prices are on the rise. Our national security is at risk. Our cities are dangerous places where we are not safe. We don't have police. They want to defund them further. And it's our fault. We just need to pay more, don't you know? The rich aren't paying their fair share. What a disgrace. What an absolute disgrace. And you know, you Democrats out there, you voters, who condemn me for my support of Trump and my condemnation of your communist regime that you couldn't see because you're too stupid and indoctrinated, you've got a brain-dead president in Joe Biden who doesn't know what planet he's on, who's incapable of doing anything to fulfill his oath to this country, to protect it and defend the Constitution and American citizens. And then you've got, so you got an old decrepit man 
who was installed in office through your shenanigans in 2020. And then you've got a, a woman, but it's a third, <clears throat> pardon me. <clears throat> you've got a woman, Kamala Harris, who is a 13-year-old girl trapped in a woman's body, who is petulant, who is prone to tantrums, who is hated by her own staff and the Democratic Party and the Democratic voters. That's what you've got. An immature imbecile and a person that is dementia-ridden. That's the team. That's the uh, president and vice president. In the most dangerous time in our lives, those are the people that we're looking to to defend us and to do the right thing, and they won't. And they won't. So yeah, my ire for Democrats grows by the day. How you defend these people and their policies is lost on me. It's a joke. It's a joke. You know, the support of the vaccine mandates, the support of condemning people who aren't boosted now, these articles coming out, that now people are saying that people that only have the two shots are gross. That's an article. Now you need booster. If, you're not, if you don't get a booster, you're not responsible anymore. I've really had it with these people. I've really had it. As you can tell, my voice, my tone today, and everything else. But um, but anyway, I don't know. You know, it's just, what am I supposed to do? Sit here and try and be nice all the time? I actually feel like I am pretty nice. But, you know, at the same time, the stakes are out. You know, when I took that last break, it was because I got a phone call from a, a prominent uh, radio host, somebody more, way more famous than me. And I was talking to him. And I was saying, you know, I don't know if it's a curse or what. I'm not a victim in this. I'm wired this way. I love my country. I'm a patriot. And I want to fight for my country. I'm not doing anything because someone's twisting my arm. I'm doing this. I'm talking to you right now because I want to. I want to be here. It's who I am. It's what I'm passionate about. But, you know, I go out to eat or I go out and do whatever I'm doing. Like normal people, because I'm a normal person. And, you know, sometimes I'm sitting there and I start looking around me and I look at the people and everyone's laughing, everyone's enjoying their drinks, they're drunk, they're intoxicated, they're eating, you know, $200 steaks. And I just wonder, do any of these people think, think about what they have right now, what they're doing right now, and the dire situation that is actually threatening the country? Or is it just me? Am I the only one who has these thoughts? Am I the only one? I know I'm not the only one. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just saying in these circumstances, okay? But here we are. Life goes on. Booze is flowing. Food is here. You know, everyone here's got money. They're not worried about the gas prices. But I am. And I think about the American people. Am I the only one here in this room, in this restaurant that doesn't have his head in the stand, in the sand, or up his ass and sometimes I feel like I do I feel like I do people don't understand the onerous responsibility that we all have to defend this country and how short our history actually is in the grand scheme of of mankind's uh, time on this earth so anyway I think I gave uh, quite a few fantastic monologues fantastic uh rants if you'll call them that but my rants aren't rants you know rants are 
reserved for Democrats who are idiots and don't have anything smart to say. I, I am nothing like that. Everything that spews from my mouth is brilliant, a fountain of, of truth. Uh, as I say, where entertainment, entertainment and enlightenment uh, collide. Not so much laughter today, unfortunately, but I thought you should know about these things. We should all know about these things and be concerned about them. Yes, life goes on. My life goes on too, you know? But when I sit behind the microphone, you know, I have a duty, a responsibility. I take it very seriously. I want you to know about these things. I want you to be, 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 I, I at least want to share my opinion with you about why I'm riled up about this stuff because I think it matters. And I know it matters to you because if it didn't matter to you, you wouldn't be listening to me. Listening to me. But I just see so many shades of repeating history right now. And I'll never forget my trip to Moscow. That was an enlightening moment for me. You know, if you haven't been to Moscow, and maybe many of you haven't, you see, you see the, the remnants of communism. People who have decent jobs and money there, they're living in high rises. High rises that just were built for the, uh, you know, the plebs. And that's where people still live today. And I understand from talking to those people in Russia what they crave. And it makes me understand why the Germans went along with what they did. You know, these countries, these country men and women are, are taken advantage of by these corrupt politicians in communist countries. And the Soviet Union was so great because well, you know, nostalgia, like I said. Oh, it was such a great time. Russia was something back then, and we crave our former greatness, our former glory. We want to rebuild that. And that's what these evil people like Putin, like Xi, play to. And uh, the other thing I was talking to with this host, who's very brilliant, we're talking, and, okay, China is Nazi Germany. Russia is uh, Mussolini. It's Italy. Or it's uh, Russia under Stalin. They're the second fiddle. China's the big dog. China's the one we have to worry about immensely. And they want domination. And they're preparing for it. And we're sitting here like Neville Chamberlain, not doing anything about it to, to prevent it from happening. I don't want to be in a war. I don't want World War III. I don't want to be there. We, the United States of America... We're, we are the powerhouse that prevents that from happening again. And when we neglect that responsibility, you get World War III like you did World War II. World War II didn't happen overnight. Hitler didn't. That didn't happen overnight. It was incremental. It's just like the totalitarianism that is incremental in America. They keep pushing the boundary, pushing the boundary. And we're stepping back foot by foot by foot by foot. They take off the, their foot off the gas pedal. But we haven't made ground towards freedom. So they push, they step back, but we don't move forward. They push, they push, they push, and suddenly we're a mile behind. And we're wondering what happened to the country. Well, it's happening right now. It's happening in the world right now. And we could do something to stop it if we would just embrace our role in this, in this world. Bolster our military. Promote freedom. Embrace the Constitution. Tell Americans what's true. 
We're united by the Constitution. We've overcome so much. We're the greatest nation in the history of the world. China, you're condemned. Russia, you're condemned. Because we are the light that shines. But we have the worst leadership at the worst time in American history. And we're being taken advantage of. And I'm worried because we got three more years of this crap. And it's not just the domestic stuff I'm worried about. It's what happens when China wants to come for us. What happens when Russia wants to come for us? What happens when that hostility is aimed directly towards our mainland? Then what? Then what? Anyway, God bless you all. Uh, I hope this has been as uh, enlightening, maybe not as fun today, although I always have fun still because I love doing this and I care about you deeply. Uh, but this is Drew Allen. God bless you all and until next time.